0: Are you interested in money, trends and behaviours? Welcome to Finn Talking, hosted by Jemima Joseph, Cassandra Crow and Erica Hall. Just a quick reminder that this podcast provides general information only. It is not intended to provide financial, legal or tax advice. If you need advice, please consult a professional. Now let's get Finn Talking. Today, we're going to talk about speculating versus investing, right? So it's something we've been talking about that we think's a real issue in the market, That we're seeing a lot of people coming out of the woodwork after the market correction that happened in March and looking to invest, which is not a bad thing. It's great that people are really interested in investing, but... The question is, are they investing or are they speculating? Is mm-hmm. it more of a gamble rather than a you know, a long-term investment horizon that um people are are taking on? And whilst it's great that people have developed a passion for investing, which is
1: obviously something that we are passionate about and can definitely get on board with that idea and notion. It like you mentioned, Erica, is it speculating? And whilst this might be a bit rudimentary to start on, if you Google what is investing versus what is speculating, it's quite interesting and it kind of informs the difference between the two. So if you Google investing, an investment is purchasing an asset with the goal and intention to generate some benefit. Then when you do speculating, which I thought this was pretty interesting, when you Google it, it comes up with the forming of a theory or conjecture without firm evidence. And that's pretty interesting when you think about what people are kind of investing, quote unquote, in and what people have been drawn to when it comes to the markets. Is that necessarily an investment or what is underpinning that?
2: I think, Jemima, I'd add to that definition, it's also a difference in time for me. So if I think about mm-hmm. investing, it's a long term focus. So as you say, you're trying to appreciate wealth over time, like your superannuation, for example, invest for years and years to save for your retirement. But speculating, it's a short-term mentality. It's having a bit of a flutter uh, on something over the next couple of days or weeks. So for me, I actually think the difference is logistically the time that you're willing to invest and also the mental time frame that you allow to that. Because if you're thinking about speculating, you're probably thinking about you know, putting some money on a game of cards or something like that. So I think that that would be an additional thing I'd add to the definition of it for myself in any event.
0: Yeah. And that's the whole thing about being a day trader. There's an app that's been created for millennials in the US, which is called Robin Hood. And it's done really, really, really well over this market correction period. So it's got about 10 million users. Um, The average age is around 31. And it's a low cost or actually a no fee sort of brokerage platform from what I can gather. And what they found is after that market correction in March, three times as normal trading volumes were coming through their platform, which is quite extraordinary. But it's not just in the US; it's happening here in Australia too. So Comsec, which is the dominant sort of market player here, they have experienced, you know, some of the busiest days that they've ever had in their 25-year history. The busiest trades that they'd ever received prior to this March/April period is around 90 to 100,000 trades in the, the peak days. But in this March-April period, they got 500,000 trades in its busiest days. So crazy volumes, right, um, that we were seeing based on the back of people speculating, I would suggest, rather than looking to invest. And I think the other thing that I heard, but I haven't been able to actually verify, is that one of the most Google terms was, how do I invest in the stock markets during this period? But that would kind of corroborate what we're seeing from a Comsec trading volume perspective.
2: I think the Robin Hood example that you gave, Erica, is absolutely fascinating, particularly when you dig into it. And I know it is a US-focused app, but as you say, we're seeing the same behaviours and outcomes in Australia because Robin Hood, as I understand it, has been advertised predominantly on TikTok, which is a platform, a video platform platform for everyone, but largely for a lot of millennials. So it's really targeting on a younger generation and the average account balance on Robinhood is only a few thousand. So to me, that is a little bit of a tricky situation in that we're encouraging young people without any form of education or advice. I don't think Robinhood offers any form of advice. I don't think you need a license to trade on Robinhood. You just need to be over 18. So I think this brings a lot of questions around the behaviours that we're encouraging because I love that Robinhood is, it's disrupting, you know, it's a fintech unicorn, it's it's really innovating, but it's encouraging people to put money on the stock market without much education or understanding from what I can see of what they're actually doing and encouraging that short-termism. So I think that's a really interesting example um, that you mentioned. I guess I just sort of think about Robinhood and wonder, The name's even interesting. Is it going to live up to the legend (laughs) of Robin Hood about isn't that the whole story of taking money from the rich and giving it to the poor? Is that what this app is trying to do? I'm not sure, but it's a great example. (laughs) Great example, Erica, I think.
0: Look, and I do think they're well-intentioned. They do try to have a whole lot of educational materials. I I must admit I found it quite amusing. I don't know if that's fair or not. But, um, for example, you know, what is an index fund? And they had this, an index fund is like a mime. I was like, wow, I've never heard an index fund described as that before. So they're really (laughs) trying to sort of um, appeal to that sort of um, millennial Yeah, unsophisticated investor and trying to help them you know, get the broad basic concepts. But you're right, it's probably not enough to then go in and start (laughs) investing.
2: (laughs) I think if you're going to the unsophisticated market, some element of a license or advice personally, I think would be appreciated. I think the fact you made a really interesting point that the
1: advertising or the engagement has been... Fueled by TikTok or people getting to know about it through TikTok, um, and if you kind of think about, I mean, I've never used TikTok, um, but I've seen like all the little dance videos where you can do all the fun little <laughs> things to the songs, and it, it is all about like a very short term, a short time frame. So I think it's maximum twenty seconds or something short like that. True. Yeah. Um, that. The content is meant to be produced. So when you're viewing that content in that mindset, it is about short term. Yep. You want instant wins in terms of your consumption of that content. So you got to wonder whether psychologically and cognitively if that will then impact how you then interact with this investment platform or investing platform as as opposed to investing and whether that does spark speculation or short-term interactions as a result of that's how you found it was through a short-term platform.
2: And and I think it feeds addiction as well, which is the thing that worries me. I think it's very easy to get obsessed with things. We're all guilty of it. And that type of uh, application reach through those types of mediums, I think can potentially encourage some form of addiction, which is really quite frightening to think that young people, particularly that maybe aren't as financially literate as we would like could be facing that type of addiction. It's just the same as, you know, drinking too much or something like that or buying too much fast fashion. There's consequences and I just am not sure there's enough communication around those consequences.
0: Totally. Look, and I think the other thing is that there's definitely been quite a lot of momentum. So what happened is after that downturn, the market has bounced back pretty strongly despite what, you know, when you look at the fundamentals, you sort of scratch your head and say, well, well why is that? And then you have a look at the sort of stocks that are being bought on um, the Robinhood platform, for example. And, um, you know, some of them are, are pretty sort of dubious in terms of their um Financial strength and look. To be fair, look, I don't invest in direct stocks myself. I'd much rather invest through a professional fund manager. So for me, I think that that's where I'm going to get the best outcome. So I'm not out there stock picking. So it's definitely not an area that I sort of spend a lot of time in. But I was just having a look at some of the the stocks that are being bought, and I thought I'd pull out one which was Tesla. <laughs> um, so apparently, it's quite popular with the the Robinhood uh, traders. And um, just having a look at the, the history of what's been going on there. And so, um, as you know, I'm on Twitter and I find Twitter really fascinating. I, I sort of don't often comment myself, but I do watch it and I do find it really interesting to see those conversations. And so, Elon Musk, who is the CEO and founder of Tesla, he's quite, um, quite prone to tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> he's not shy. And um, on May 2nd, he tweeted, Tesla stock price too high in my opinion. And at that point in time, the price of the Tesla shares were $701 per share. And so it did have an impact. The next day it fell about 10%. People were pretty cross with him on Twitter saying, you know, you cost me money. What are you doing? But Fast forward to today, and we're like in late July now when we're recording this, um, Tesla stocks were $1,592 <laughs> per share. Wow. So more than double. And the irony is Tesla's not even in positive earnings territory, so you can't even calculate a price-earnings ratio for the stock. Um, it's got a market cap of over $280 billion. And Ellen is now more wealthy than my my favourite person in the world, Warren Buffett, <laughs> <laughs> who's one of the most famous investors. And it just kind of you just scratch your head. So you've got the founder saying, "Hey, when the price was you know more than half what it was, he still he thought it was too expensive," but I've got all these you know punters, for want of a better word, investors, speculators. Um, buying on the momentum and creating this surge in the the share price. And now they're saying, oh, it's gotten so large, it might actually be um, included in the S&P 500 index. And so that, that created wow. another surge. So, yeah, all these behavioural things that are going on in terms of, you know, then you're on Twitter, you're talking, everyone's talking up their, their wins and that. Mm-hmm. Look, the momentum has been undeniable. And so that people that have been speculating have probably done quite well but it's then actually giving them a lot of confidence that perhaps is not warranted. And there's this thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect and what it um, basically um, calls out is that the more incompetent you are, the less aware you are of your incompetence. Oh and so people
2: can progress reality. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, as they say.
0: Well, that's it. And so people can progress really quickly from being beginners who know that they're beginners and know their limitations mm-hmm. to unconscious incompetence. And they begin to think they're experts because they've just mm. done so well. And so that worries me a lot because I'd hate to see people lose money and it's just hard to know. You know, it's a very volatile. Volatile time, and um, you know, in the history has shown that you know you can have these really strong sort of um, bull markets, and then it can all sort of disappear quite quickly. The momentum mm-hmm. can move the other way as quickly as it's moved in a positive mm-hmm. way, right?
1: That's so interesting because in, um, not that I gamble at all or not that I play cards or anything like that, but obviously, oh, no, <laughs> not at all, not at all. But like, um, you know, that concept beginner's luck, I think we've all at yes. some point played or had a dabble at poker with friends with not, like not really betting anything. And then, you know, if you do win one game, you think, wow, I'm like the next poker player legend ever to see the world. And then you take on, yeah, (laughs) totally. And then, you know, (laughs) even with that, you take on, oh, you know, I can, you know, whatever it's called, like bluff or, you know, take on bigger bets because you've got that notion that, well, with the first one, with no understanding, I did so well, you know, can do that again and that kind of is your point.
2: Or you don't do well and then you double down because you think if you have another go you'll make that back. And then it's again, this sort of vicious spiral of putting money into something where you have no understanding and the probability of making it rich from that, I would say is potentially quite low without a lot of luck. So
0: Mm.
2: yeah, it's that, that doubling down angle, I think is um, quite frightening as well. That's how people get into real trouble, I think.
0: Also, the other thing you're touching on there potentially is um, a little bit of confirmation bias in terms of you actually will seek out information that backs up your point of view. So, for example, if I'm invested in Tesla, I'm just looking at all the stuff that says Tesla is, you know, is going to double in price, or it's going really well, or it's going to be included in the S and P 500. It's going to be the index. It's going to, the price is going to go even further. Rather than reading the information that sort of says, well, maybe Tesla's stock price is a little bit high, and um, maybe there's some risks to the downside. I'll ignore that. And I'll just focus on the positives. Like, yep, yeah, I'm in the right thing. I'm, you know, this is where I should be. And here's the information that backs up my point of view. So that's sort of like the confirmation bias. And I guess you could also have that confirmation bias in terms of in your own internal dialogue with your poker <laughs> hand that you're talking about, Jemima, Yeah, and you know, yep, yeah, I've got this, I'm under control, I know what I'm doing, you know, and you're ignoring any of the, the negativity um, or sort of, I think of the angel, the good angel and the little devil on your yeah. shoulder and you're just listening um, to the the one that backs away, your action that you want to take. Like, <laughs> angel only,
1: yeah. That's it. <laughs> the thing that is I think even more of a concern now is how we're getting information And if people are thinking that you can get information and insights around company earnings, investing through mediums like Facebook, you know, different social media platforms that where the algorithms are kind of designed to reinforce a particular trend that you are following or a particular way that you kind of think based on your clicks you could be feeding that confirmation bias because you could just be unintentionally seeking Absolutely. out views yeah. that support yep. your original view. So that is something to be totally. yeah, super conscious of
0: for sure. Because like in the past, you'd read the newspaper and whether you wanted to or not, everything was there. You couldn't, yes, you could um, skip over the article, but it was all there for you. You've got um, different points of view. Now you're just getting fed, you know, the algorithm knows what you like and you're just getting fed the information that you like. And so, yes, you're absolutely right. The confirmation bias, it really plays to confirmation bias. And so therefore you're probably not looking at all the information and making an informed decision. You're just, yeah, feeding your own. Or, or you know internal dialogue, or, that you've already got, which is a real problem, right? Totally. And I think the other thing that you guys are talking about in relation to the sort of the decision making, I think that that's a really crucial point as well. Like, really, what influences your outcomes more than anything are the decisions you make. Mm-hmm. And um, if you, you if you make mm. a poor decision, that's going to have the you know that's going to have a terrible impact on your financial situation. So it really does come back to the decisions you make impact your financial outcomes.
1: Definitely. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what happened with Zoom. No. So as we all know, Zoom is like the video conferencing platform that we seem to live our lives on (laughs) these days, whether it's through work or education or social lives. So at the start of the pandemic, so back in late March, the US Securities and Exchange Commission had to actually put a trading halt, which is just a cease the trading of Zoom technologies, which had the ticker code of Zoom. So that you would think that was the actual Zoom platform. And they actually cited the reasons for this is because there were concerns that investors had confused that stock with the NASDAQ listed issuer, (laughs) Zoom Video Communications, which was the actual real Zoom.
2: Uh (laughs) Um, That's like Corona, the beer going down. When coronavirus outbreak. Is- oh, yeah. totally. <laughs> it's actually
1: even shocking when you like think about it. So Zoom video stock had increased by 50%. So you can kind of rationalise why that could have occurred. Significant usage of their platform. That kind of makes sense. But Zoom technologies, which had nothing to do with the video platform, during that same time period had risen by 240% before it was suspended So the share price went from $3 to $20 in a month. And for Zoom Technologies, there had been never any public disclosure around the finances of that company, its operation since 2015. So what people were actually just buying was the thought that they were
2: getting into Zoom. It's all in the name. Wow. All in the name.
0: (laughs) Showing that you've got to be so careful and you've got to do your research and you've got to know what you're doing, otherwise it can cost you real dollars. Mm. Um, So I feel sorry for those people that have probably lost a lot of money Mm. Um, and well-intentioned, but what a terrible learning experience for them.